The Mishnah says, Rab Khanidim Skana Kainim Aimir of Khaninuskaina Kayanim, the assistant of the Kainim said, Have a Mispaul Bashlemishal Malchus, you should pray for the peace of the kingdom, of the government, Shalomalamira, because if people were not afraid of the government, Ishisre Eu Chaim Bloi, one person would swallow up another alive. There would be the basic understanding of it is that there would be anarchy. So we have to understand. Number one, our sages tell us that somebody wants to be a chassid, somebody that it goes beyond the letter of the law, should fulfill what it says in Ovis. Which means, of course, that everything in Mesechta Ovis is things which are address behavior which goes beyond the letter of the law. In other words, things which you're not obligated to do according to the strict letter of the law. But we have to do them out of a sense of piety to go beyond the letter of the law. As we can see from the first Mishnah in this Perik, which is a stakel you should uh, contemplate three things which will as- assist you in not committing sins. And he gives you the three things there to contemplate. What is this Mishnah teaching? The strict letter of the law is only that you shouldn't actually commit the sins. If them is mice of the Mishnah, so it comes along the Mishnah and adds something beyond that. And which is a a pious behavior, that a person should bring himself to a state where he's afraid to commit a sin. Not just that he shouldn't commit sins, but that he should be in a state where he's afraid even to contemplate doing a sin. Which means this is a way to it's a it's a guidance that you shouldn't even get close to the concept of committing a sin. That by contemplating these things, you will not even approach the idea of committing a sin. So that is certainly a an idea of going beyond the letter of the law. But the, the our mission, the second mission which is to pray on behalf of the government, doesn't seem to have anything to do with behaving in a pious way, or to some sort of uh, behavior which is, goes beyond the letter of the law. To the contrary, that a person should prevent himself from swallowing up another person alive is that is something which is the, some of the most important and serious mitzvahs in the Torah would prevent you from doing something like that number two what is the meaning of the words a person would swallow somebody else alive the the Russian hot was the regular person as a fall is hariga. 
the more common usage of something like that would be you shouldn't uh, people would kill each other, swallow somebody alive. What does that mean? The pasuk says, the, "The people over here are not God fearing, and therefore they will kill me." Said Avram about the people where he was arriving to, or to say that they would uh, steal from each other. If the mission is also including the idea that if people were not afraid of the government, they would also steal from each other, cause harm to each other, meaning uh, financial harm. Why does a Mishnah use such an unusual term? And it's not just a term that's unusual, it's also the concept that you're, somebody is going to swallow somebody alive. Number three. Everything in the world, of course, is revolves around the Jewish people. The estate that the Pasuk says is that the world was given to their hearts, meaning to say it's all about, it all revolves around the Jewish situation. So from this we understand that when the Mishnah says that if people were not afraid of the government, people would swallow each other alive, that this is something that is not just something that belongs to outside the Jewish world. But since everything revolves around the Jewish world, so then there must be something like that which would also take place within the Jewish community. And it works the other way. Since the Yidin will fulfill this command, what the Pirkei advises us, and therefore will prevent it from happening within our community, this will also have an influence on the community outside, that they too will behave that way. That it shouldn't happen outside the Jewish community either, but it would. there seems to be something that could happen like that within the com- Jewish community. So this is also very strange. How could you say about the Jewish people? That even though there are many uh, mitzvahs in the Torah that Hashem commands us against this kind of behavior, is so if the Eibishter the says it in the Torah, that wouldn't prevent you from doing it. You're afraid of the government, then you'll, uh, you'll, that will prevent you from doing it. So if, it not, if you were not afraid of the government, another, a Jew would swallow up a nishtam and not just anybody, not a his own friend he would swallow up alive. How could you say that about the Jewish people? And especially that we're talking about a person that is studying Pirkei Ovis and he's learning this lesson from within Pirkei Ovis. He's, he's a person that wants, that strives to be extra pious. A person like that needs to be told that he has to pray for the government so that he will not come to swallow up another person alive. This is what Pirkei needs to teach. So that's the first part of the Mishnah. Beis. After this quoted uh, statement, state in the Mishnah, the, the Mishnah continues, the same Mishnah continues. 
that he said, two people that are sitting together and they're not discussing words of Torah, this is a meeting of mockery, and, and you know, why aren't you speaking Torah? But if there are two people that are sitting and they are talking Torah, so, and the minister continues that that is a, the Shechina dwells amongst them. It was already discussed a number of times as the Fanandatil from the Mishnayasim is Bediyuk, that the division, the way the Mishnayas are divided and where one begins and one ends is also very specific. In fact, it also has halachic ramifications in the following way is one example. When somebody marries a woman and he says, he, he says, and he says, I'm marrying you, and she only agrees to marry him because he's somebody that claims to be to know Mishnah. As the Kedushan said in Eifentnai, as a Ken Mishnayis, the Eshleimah as a Zainig Enug, Unnoitik, Ken and Dray Mishnayis, there is opinion that says that it's enough if he knows three Mishnahs, then he meets that condition, and they would they would be married. Vas Yesh Eimrim, as Eich Tzalib Dem, Hadar Alter Rebbe, Arangishtal, the Mesechta, Ovis, and Zaysidr, in fact, some people say that the reason that the Alter Rebbe put Mesech the Ovis into the Siddur is because he divided it, the Mishnah, in a specific way, and it's important to know where, where the Mishnah begins and where the Mishnah ends. For this purpose, if, uh, if you need to know, if he knows three Mishnahs, you need to know what are the three complete Mishnahs. If it interrupts in the middle, or if this one belongs to the next one, then it's... Uh, you know, the count would be different according to where it ends. So the Alter Rebbe put it in so that there would be a clear understanding of where the Mishnah begins and where the Mishnah ends. So in this case, the Mishnah includes also this second thing of Rabbi Hanini ben Tradian, that two people that are sitting in, uh, if, whether they are learning Torah or not learning Torah, is Nishmuvan, so we have to understand, Vos is the Shehem Shechoshaychas for my Mishnahim Sheyashim, what's the continuation? And what's the connection between these two, which seem very disparate ideas? They, they seem like very different ideas. Why, why are they together in the in the same Mishnah? What does it have to do with praying on behalf of the government? Because the far stay in in a Mishnah, which is the reason that both of them would be brought into the same Mishnah, because they discuss, they are somehow connected. It would seem that there is no, we don't see any connection between the two. In fact, logically, one would say, as the Maimer Hatashaychas and the Daft Tzugishtold Verin, so the Vaitadigah Mishnah, it would make more sense that this section of the Mishnah, the second part of the Mishnah, which talks about people sitting together and not studying Torah or studying Torah, is something that belongs to the next Mishnah. It would seem to be connected to what comes in the third Mishnah. There it says, Rab Shimon Aimer, Rab Shimon said, Gimel Sha'achul Vayamar of the Dira Taira, three people that ate together and they did not speak words of Taira. So and he, he talks about that. So this seems to be very related to what Rab Hanina Ben Tradian said. Over there too it talks about the importance of speaking words of Taira when people sit together and the Chasarim from the Chabura and the Taira. And of course, the opposite, if there is a gathering and there is no words of Torah spoken. So that those two Mishnahs seem to have a related subject. 
Yet, this Mishnah is, comes at the tail end of the uh, Mishnah which talks about um, ha- praying on behalf of the government and then starts a new Mishnah which talks about three people sitting together and eating. Gimel, the beer in them. So to explain it. Since the Masechta Abbas contains things which go uh, demand extra piety, as we mentioned before, which means that these are lessons, teachings for somebody that is already careful in his learning of Torah and Kima Mitzvahs, he's already careful about keeping Mitzvahs. The only thing that he's lacking is that he wants to go beyond the letter of the law. That's what Abbas teaches. Is Bemela Pasha, therefore it would seem clear, obvious. It would be it would seem logical that you don't have to tell a person like that that he shouldn't steal from another Jew. Certainly you don't have to tell him that he shouldn't somehow compromise the life of another Jew. So obviously this mission is not going to be teaching that if without the government uh, one person would kill another or would steal from another. We're talking to people that are way beyond that. So that is not what the mission is talking about. The diuk is the what the Mishnah is saying is in the way the Mishnah actually says it. Chayim bloy, that one person would swallow up another person alive. What is the meaning of that? He has no intention of in any way compromising the life or the uh, possessions of another person. Zayin Ratzin is nor, what he does want to do is Chayim bloy, he wants to swallow him up alive. What does that mean? As the leben, the Metzius, and the Meisim, and the Metzaiten, is on Zayin, Arangishlung in the Zayin Metzius. He sees himself as somebody who is on a, on a higher level, on an elevated status. And therefore he sees another Jew and he thinks that Jew should be sort of taken under his wing. He should be, become part of his influence. He thinks that person should see himself as an extension of him. He's such an elevated status he sh- that other person should completely ab- be absorbed by him, by his importance, and live under his shadow. Well, the Fa'amim is Adarabe. Sometimes he sees that the Mailus was Erhot, because of the great qualities that I possess. As Er is Gans in Livanda Torah, I am so perfect in study of Torah and his Abgit the Mitzvahs canal, and he's meticulous in his keeping of Mitzvahs. On the other hand, when he looks at the other Jew, he sees so many, uh, so many faults in that person. Certainly, if that person is uneducated in matters of Torah, and as a result of that, or whether it's uh, the result of that, or for other reasons, he's also not as careful here and there. He's not careful in his... Uh, in his observance of mitzvahs. Bringen em zu, so this recognition brings him to the conclusion, and therefore leaves him no other choice. He has no other choice other than the maskana to come to the conclusion, as Yenadav Zayim bottles him, that that person should be completely subservient to him. He has to be teaching that other person. He has to 
take him under his wing and he has to guide him and that person has to be completely bottled to him. In fact, it would be a great merit and it would be a great a step up for that person if I will take him under my wings and he will become an extension of me. That would be the, the, the best thing for him. That's how he sees it. That's what he means by Chaim Bloy. He thinks that he should be swallowed up within me. He shouldn't have his own independent Metzius, uh, his own independent status. It would be the best thing for him if he was just attach himself to me and become an extension of me. So in order to eliminate this kind of a feeling at a part of a person who is on a, on an elevated status, it's not enough to explain and to come to, uh, to to this person and say, no, you're wrong, and explain to him why he's wrong. Because explaining it will not answer this this issue because when you look at it from a logical perspective because we're not talking about a person that is a fool and evil and uh, a Russia and so on uh, an arrogant person we're talking about a person that is striving to be a chassid striving to be pious so is so therefore logically it isn't so far removed from the truth that this is how it should be, that a person that is in a very high elevated status should take other people under his wings and they should follow him blindly because he knows so much more than them and he's so much more careful than them and it would be the best thing for them to do that. So logically, you're not going to be able to argue your way out of that because from a logical perspective, it's not so far from the truth. There is some truth to that. In the bottom line, the final analysis is that this person is a great person in Torah and in Kima Mitzvahs in, his, in, the, in the practice of Mitzvahs. In the Tzayit, when the Eyu is Gorvait, and at the same time the other person whom we're talking about is very far from that level from their Madrege. And therefore this, the calculation that he makes is not untrue within the thought and the logic of Torah. Certainly if that person needs him to teach him, needs me to guide him in, the, in how to fulfill mitzvahs, so certainly he should be completely within my mitzvahs, he should attach himself to me, and that should be who he is. So because logic will not dissuade him from this approach, Therefore, after this whole, this, after he makes his calculation, he comes, he has his thought process, and logically he's decided that it's so. But it's, since it's all limited to his to logic, as Sorry, and therefore, if you were to try to dissuade him by using logic, only logic after the whole explanation that you give to him that this is the wrong approach and that he shouldn't be approaching another Jew that way, he still won't be able to leave his, um, what seems to him to be so right. It'll still seem to him that that person should be contained within him.
so to speak. The eight sets of pale zayim bazich shlilas hanalke the boy. So how does one eliminate this kind of an attitude to another Jew? It doesn't work with with the logic because the logic might be on his side. It's a zayim the from the Mishnah is to to do what the Mishnah says: pray on behalf of the government of the kingdom. If he prays on behalf of the of the uh, the flesh and blood king, the human king, this will bring to mind the king of all kings, and this will awaken with him in him a fear of Hashem as well. And therefore, that feeling of fear and reverence of Hashem has the ability to awaken within him that he should not consider himself, not hold himself on a higher pedestal in comparison to another Jew. That's what will dissuade him from holding himself to be higher than another Jew. Why is that? They ask in them to explain why that is. Razal Zogn, our sages tell us the kingdom on, down here on earth is similar and mimics the kingdom of on high of Hashem. The Azbara Defuni is what is the meaning of this phrase? Ki as we know, as We know that how is there? Why is there kings, people that command such respect and reverence? Why is there such a thing down here? Because it evolves from the kind of reverence that the true king, Hashem, and as it goes through levels and levels, it goes, comes down levels, it turns out to be a physical human king as well, which commands that kind of reverence. The the king down here has his source in the uh, what's called the Sar, the angel that represents that, uh, that uh, country. And that that angel is what gives, uh, sort of evolves into a, an actual human king. And the Shadish from Sar, and where does that angel come from? Is in Hecharadag, it comes from some higher level. And Azai Hecher and Hecher, and that level comes from a higher level, and so on. It keeps going up the chain. One level upon another level. Until it, it, it uh, finds its source. In the King of all Kings, Hashem Himself. The fun is verstandig. From this we understand that the Shas as his dolch shloimishal malchus bepashtus. Therefore, when there is peace down here for the King, for the human King, as malchus adare hesh mitashleimus, meaning to say that the King down here, the human King, is able to exert his influence fully because he's unencumbered by. Uh, wars and other disturbances and so on, so they be able to be the king the way he should. Is that Emesatam Then what's the reason that the king down here has peace and tranquility and the ability to be the king as he should be? The reason is The reason is because the king down here reflects the kingship as it is in the heavens above. The kingdom, kingship of Hashem. And the reason is because since Hashem is allowed to be the king by the Jewish people down here, is allowed to be the king as he should be, therefore that evolves also that the king down here should be able to be the king as he should be. 
So the king down here has his peace because Hashem is being given his peace. Hashem is being given the, the due respect that he needs, that he should have. Therefore, when a Jew, which is already on the level of he's looking, he's searching for ways to increase in his piety. And therefore, when he looks at things, he sees them as they are in their true nature. So in his prayer for the king, for the peace of the king, the human king down here, filtered in them, when he prays for the king down here, for the peace of the king down here, he sees what that means. He knows that that means in, in order to achieve that, we have to give Hashem peace. We have to give him his ability to be able to rule in the way he wants to rule. And that will allow the king down here to be, rule in the way that he should. So the minute he starts talking and praying for the king down here, automatically it brings to mind for him Hashem himself, the king of all kings, and it, it evokes a reverence and a fear of Hashem himself. And the, the fact that he now feels in a state of reverence for Hashem, this causes, brings about that this feeling of arrogance and uh, superiority that he feels as a person should be subdued. He doesn't have to feel that arrogant and that superior. This superiority that he feels in comparison to another Jew this will temper that superiority feeling that he feels because when you think of Hashem Hashem brings to him everyone is equal he's the Shabbat, Mashvakot, Vagadol to him the big one and the small one are all equal in comparison to him uh, because the greatest of the great has no value in the, in, the, in the presence of Hashem just like the smallest of the small so the minute he is now he feels a reverence for Hashem, he suddenly doesn't feel superior to another Jew either. So the Mishnah is telling us that the way to eliminate this feeling of superiority to another Jew, where you want him to be, be merely an extension of you, the way to counter that is not to argue, you, argue your way out of it, but rather to pray and focus on the king down here, which brings to mind Hashem himself and his greatness, which makes you feel less uh, unsuperior to another Jew, equal to every other Jew. Hey, the Yetzirah is about an woman, but the Yetzirah, of course, is very crafty. And sein Arbeit zu Arabfirn, the mention von Derech Yasher, in his work of uh, misleading a person, dissuading a person away from the right path. The Rebbe is nicht genug, das was er allein therefore it's not enough that this Jew under his own abilities and so on will contemplate the idea of as the method of course would be that when you think about the king down here you're evoking the king up there that's not enough because it's quite possible that after 
a certain amount of time in which you you contemplate this again and again, day after day. So the Izbaninus Ufer and eventually this meditation stops to have its effect. You're not as impressed anymore about it. It was interesting and impactful when it was new, but then you've thought about it so many times that it has less of an impact. So because of the, as we said, the Yetzirah has his means and his way of dissuading you. Until the reverence of Hashem, the fear of Hashem will become weakened and dulled. And in Gansan is battle and eventually it just goes away altogether. So this could, could be a temporary solution, but what do you do about making it last? The fat is mudgesh and Therefore, the Mishnah says you should pray for the uh, king for the peace of the king. Not just to rely on your intellectual prowess and that you think about it and you contemplate it and therefore you come to the conclusion because that could eventually fade. But rather he has to pray for this as well. So to pray and to plead with Hashem. That Hashem should help you with this meditation and help you with this realization out of His kindness and so on. As our sages tell us that if not that Hashem helped you in your battle against the Yetzirah, we wouldn't be able to stand up against the Yetzirah. We wouldn't be able to be successful against them all the time. So you need Hashem's help. That's what the meaning of prayer is. So that um, Hashem will help you that when, that when you think about the king down here, it will evoke, continue to evoke a fear of Hashem as well. Through this, we now also understand what the continuation of the same Mishnah is, which is Shnaim Shuyeshim Beimenim Divrataira. That if two people are sitting and talking and they're not talking Torah, as the Mishnah continued, what is the connection? The Richtige Bavais, as the Odom was held by Milud the Chasidusa, Nordem Yad Gelen Torah Kidaboy in the Zorim Mitzvahs, the true test that the, the person who is up to and now striving to become extra pious, Milud the Chasidusa, after he already learned Torah and after it properly and he is already careful with mitzvahs. The, the test to see how do you know whether he has, or has brought himself down a notch so that now he sees himself equal with other Jews as well, especially the person to whom he thought should merely be an extension of him. How do you know that he's accomplished what he was trying to do not to feel superior? Is in them was When do you see whether he's successful if his learning of Torah is going to be two people sitting together and learning Torah? What does that mean, Vabir, to explain this? What is the what defines a person that is into the study of Torah about whom it's talking now? Is does gufa? Is that itself an eitzig in Torah? His study of Torah—that's what defines who he is. He identifies 
His, his whole life, his whole is that's who he is. Somebody who studies Torah. And everything else that he does and needs and so on. are secondary to what his true nature is, his true personality is, to who he really is, which is a Torah scholar. With the Pasuk Zot, as the Pasuk says, Halal Chacham B'Chachmasei, HaGiber B'Gvarasei, Asher B'Ashrei. Shleim HaMalach says, a, a wise man should not brag or, or consider himself important because of his wisdom, or a strong person because of his strength, or a wealthy person because of his wealth. Because all these things, they change over time. The person that used to be wise is no longer so wise. The person that was strong gets weak. The person that was wealthy, the wheels turn. He's no longer wealthy. These are subject to change. How does, what does Shleim HaMelech say a person should put his focus on? This is what he should uh, consider important. Thinking and knowing me, meaning the study of Torah, that should be the focus. That's what is important, and that's what is long lasting. Torah is a Torah is something which is continuous and it's eternal. This is what gives us life and long, long days. As our sages tell us in the Gemara, I would leave any other profession aside. And I would teach my son only Torah. The Gemara talks about teaching your son a trade. So one of the Tanoim said, I would leave all those trades and I would teach him Torah. In his youth, in his elder, when he gets old, and so on. That's, it will follow him. It will guide him in youth and in old age. That's something that will last forever. So to a Torah scholar, he is defined by his Torah knowledge. That's who he is. Since Torah is what really defines the person that studies the Torah, is moving so it's understood. As the bittel for that if you wanted to see whether this person feels superior or has humility, see how it expresses itself in who he truly is. He is truly what defines him is Torah study. See how he approaches Torah study. Is he humble in his Torah study or is he superior? Does he feel superior in his Torah study? Because that's what really defines him. That's where you'll see whether he has reached a level of humility or not. And that's what the Mishnah says. That when there are two people sitting and studying Torah together, as long as the person, this scholar, feels that I am one person, meaning to say, I'm in a category of my own, I'm in a world of my own, nobody can read, these people can't really measure up to my level of Torah, I'm not together with anyone, I don't see myself as equal to anyone, or at least the people around me. Uh, so as long as he sees himself as one person that's sitting and studying Torah, he's the wise man, he's the one that's completely involved in Torah, he's the one that can come up with novel ideas in Torah. Then he, of course, he is not sitting with somebody else and learning Torah together with somebody else. 
not, even if you're studying with someone, it's not like two people, two equals sitting and studying. It's one person that is on a higher level, he sees himself teaching another person. Not two people sitting and learning together. In a yeshiva, that they're sitting equally together. Because he holds himself as the, the head of the academy. You know, he's the teacher. And the other person he considers he's like a student to me. And who knows, as a student, you know, there is people in the front row, the, uh, the bright students, and then there are people that are in the back rows, and who knows where this person belongs as a student. So he certainly doesn't consider him an equal. It's only when a person has reached humility. Then, when he studies with another person, then he sees it, we're two people learning together. We're studying together as one. Without feeling that there is a superiority on his part in comparison to the other person. That's how you see whether he has reached, whether he has been able to mitigate and subdue that feeling of superiority when he's willing to sit equally with another Jew and learn Torah. And then the Shekhinah will dwell amongst them. means the revelation of Hashem's kingship within them, in their presence. as is known, when a Yid is able to bring himself to the feeling of humility through what we said in the first part of the Mishnah by praying on behalf of the king which brings to mind the king of all kings which brings to mind that we're all equal all the Jews are equal as which leads him to feel that he can sit together with another person as an equal then the Shekhinah will dwell amongst them. That will reveal the true nature of the kingdom, kingship of Hashem. Then Hashem will descend amongst them and will, there will be a revelation of Hashem directly from Hashem. Not as Hashem has to be understood through understanding the human king, and through that you reach a recognition of Hashem. But you will have a revelation directly from Hashem, not that it has to come through understanding the, the uh, human king. And through this you reach a perfect state of awe and reverence of Hashem, as it should be understood directly in the presence of Hashem, not that you have to reach it through understanding the king, the human king, which leads you to think about Hashem and so on. Based on this, we'll also understand the Lashem from the Seder and Pasuk, the way the Pasuk brings it. In the Mishnah, the, the, Mishnah that is quoted, the Pasuk that is quoted in the Mishnah. The Pasuk is, Oz Nidru Hashem Then, there will be a conversation, they will have spoken, the, the God-fearing people will speak to each other, man to his friend. Hashem will listen in and hear. And it will be written in the, in the book of remembrances, before Hashem, 
Liyirei Hashem l'cheshe for the ones who fear Hashem and the they give uh, recognition, importance to His name. L'cheire, this pasuk has to be understood. Since we're talking about two people that are t- that are sitting and talking Torah, why are they addressed as God-fearing people rather than scholars? Talk about them as scholars. The subject is Torah. Why is it suddenly invoking that they're fear God-fearing people? Why is it? Why is this term? Why is this identity chosen for them as God-fearing people rather than scholars? The answer is that this, that there is between them, in other words, they're seeing themselves as equal They in their study of Torah. This brings about that the, the presence of Hashem is amongst them. Is the far while their nidbru is an anayfen from Yirei Hashem? The reason is because the way they speak to each other is influenced by their fear of Hashem, as we said before. That the reason that they're able to speak as equals is because they have God. He's a God-fearing person, which allows them to see a less educated yid as an equal to him. By, and that's why the Yirei Hashem is the uh, the term that is chosen. By Zay is Dordem is Fal B'Shemish L'Malchus Kiyetsu B'Diyir from Melach Malchus Am Lachem Adosh Baruch Hu in Anoifin Goloi Nikav Nirgash because by them now they reach a level also where the fear of Hashem is in a way that it's clear it's it's obvious and manifest. Azoi az nidburu in Torah in a way that uh, that leads to that that discussion in Torah is mitadem vazizan in the dem targa for Yerushalayim Yisrael reeyu that they are the God fearing people that can talk to each other as equals that's where their God fearing status comes from the hepech from Israel chaim beloi of course the opposite of what the beginning of the Mishnah was that a person wants to swallow up another person because he feels superior to him the far kumen zei tzudem that's why they come to the to the level what the pasuk says at the end. They they think of his name. What does that mean? That they understand that the whole Torah, everything in the Torah, even though it's presented in a logical way, but in truth it is only words. Every word in the Torah is Hashem's name, meaning to say. Every part of it is holy. Every part of it is the will of Hashem and the wisdom of Hashem. And that's what permeates the Torah, not the logic of it, but the fact that it is the word of Hashem because they recognize the fear of Hashem. That's why they understand that the Torah is all about the word of Hashem, the names of Hashem.